Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Over 10 years ago, I had formula. Uh, invest dollar and get $2 back. Today, it's not because of high competition. It's hard to get results, but you can sell customers more times uh, your customers can read more their friends so it's called life cycle marketing i'm so excited to discuss this topic with greg Klich. how are you uh doing great doing great how about yourself yeah i'm doing great we discussed a little bit before the podcast wednesday awesome day by the way uh, i remember on school i hated monday right now i love it uh i love friday i love each moment you know it's more important to enjoy the process to love what you do then everything will be fine before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this important topic. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so obviously my name is Greg. Uh, I've worked in the tech industry for like like 10 plus years. I've uh, spent time uh, working in like big tech companies like Microsoft and like Intuits of the world of like QuickBooks and TurboTax and Mint. Um, and then I've probably spent the, the the second half of my career really working with startups and helping them be successful, helping them scale. Um, so right now, I I find a lot of my passion right now is really within the small business and fintech space. Um, and I've had a bunch of different roles uh, working in those types of companies, from um, growth marketing roles to product marketing roles to lifestyle lifecycle micro marketing roles. Um, to even some like product management roles. Um, and really my passion is really just like, how do you build like sustainable businesses and how do you drive growth and, and really sustainable, solid like unit economics of those of that growth and just driving adoptions of like really compelling products that have like a really strong product market fit. Um, and overall, you know, for me, it's like why I'm, why I'm here is I think there's like a, just a life cycle marketing is something that is kind of forgotten. Uh, it's not the thing that people think when you want to turn on some performance or SEO, but it's like a really actually imp uh, important channel for you to actually drive better retention and monetization. And it's like a way it's actually another lever that you have as a as a business to keep growing your, your, your overall like user base overall and actually driving like stronger retention monetization that actually funds your acquisition. So kind of why I'm here today. Nice. Love it. Love it. Especially about retaining customers. I know it's important uh, because retaining customers costs five times less than acquiring new ones. So let's talk about uh, how to retain customers longer. Provide any tips, insights, how to do it because I see when companies spend so much time and resources uh, looking for new customers, but they can forget about pain points that existing customers have. Uh, and um, for me, loyalty, uh, if you need loyalty, buy a dog, you know, but customers uh, are looking for better products, propositions. And if you can't satisfy their intent, your competitors can. So tell about uh, retaining customers longer. Yes, absolutely. So I always tell people, um, doesn't matter how great your marketing is, if you don't have a great product, then your customers aren't going to retain. So that's always like a really important thing. Like, always make sure like uh, any company or if you're working on bootstrapping your own business, like make sure you're really focusing on like finding that product market fit. And once you have that like solid, then some of the great opportunities that you can actually be doing uh, to drive stronger retention is actually 
further up the funnel. So it actually starts with like activation and, and habit building moments. So as you come in, it's actually too late when you when you're already a current customer and you want to churn, right? It's like any one of us. We're using uh, we're using a product that we've used before. We've made the decision that okay, you know what? It wasn't for me. Well, we're our likelihood is we're not likely going to come back, um, and that's usually the case. So. I always look at how do you really work on retention is like, how do you have a seamless experience to get them activated? However you define what that activation moment is. It's very important. You know, what is that activation moment that actually leads to like less, like uh, less churn. And then I think a lot of people understand that piece. What people forget is really about like, what is the habit building moments you can build within your, within your products. So a lot of times what, um, I've done working in companies is we, you know, from a, we, we basically use data to help us determine like who are our most successful customers and then what, what core moments did they take and actions did they take in the product and how do we actually build lifecycle campaigns to get them to create those, those actions. Right. So say as an example, it's been very famous. We're in Slack. Hey, send like three slacks in the first seven days. Right. I think Facebook was famous for this. It's like add three Facebook friends in the first seven days. So it's really important that you just establish what the what the action moments are and then time bound it to either a week, a month, two weeks, depending on the, the your product usage is. And I think that is like the most important area for companies to focus on. And if you can focus on that, you're really going to greatly improve your retention because you're building habit for those users to be far more successful. And then there's also other opportunities that you could be doing further down the funnel around engagement and like uh, like like kind of churn prevention. But I would say that is the most important piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about uh, reply to customers' pain points uh, immediately. Not immediately, but as soon as possible. Because, you know, uh, I see when uh, companies that have a lot of customers, they can't uh, provide customers feedback fast. They usually use AI tools, uh, chat tools, but they can't help a lot. So, uh, and it's annoying, you know, when you need to wait for the right response. Uh, can you tell what to do if you have a lot of customers and they need uh, some support? Uh, uh, and uh, I often see this issue with uh, Microsoft, LinkedIn, uh, even it's interesting, uh, once I got this issue with PNC Bank, I opened my account, but um, in one day when I need to make important payment, uh, I got the message, your account blocked. So what I need to do? I started to call them. After wasting 30 minutes, I got it. I need to come to the office. When I came to the office, uh, I spent an hour to wait my turn then uh, the manager replied to me no you need to call to this phone and i wasted the extra two hours waiting uh, in call center just to uh, uh, to reply to simple questions about security and something like this then my account was unblocked but i wasted I don't remember like uh, six hours you know, to make first my, my payment. Uh, so can you tell how to decide such issues when companies like PNC, like Microsoft, like LinkedIn, many others have a lot of customers, but they need to help them uh, now uh, because it's annoying when you are wait for a long time. Yeah, so I actually think it always starts with the first one is like discoverability. So uh, if you're a current customer, can you how easy is it for you to discover customer support? I think we've all been there before where we're trying to search for a phone number and a lot of companies try to hide that piece. So you're like, so I think the most important thing is 
find that if that's within the like an app that you're using right or there's like a something that's like very clearly lined out of like what are your customer support options and and then i actually think it's down to like one you can have customer support that is like a help center and where you can actually look at faqs to answer your questions yourself that's like level one and that will give you like kind of your first option and if you can't if that can't happen there, I think the next thing uh, strong companies do is they offer um, basically a chat functionality. Now, I actually don't believe it should be a chatbot. I don't think any one of us like to talk to a robot. We like to talk to human beings. So it's very important that it is like an actual human being you can connect to. And then I think if you cannot figure it out through chatting back and forth, the third option I actually think works out really well when you want to talk to someone, if that's on a video call over the phone, is give them like a Calendly link to schedule on their time. So they don't have to sit on anything. You, we basically, the customer support calls you and, and you know, they have a set of availability and you can kind of book with them. And I think that to me is like how you create like a really great, like customer support is really around discoverability and scheduling on the customer's time that actually leads to like a, a really strong outcome that I think is a positive experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Okay, let's talk about marketing strategy. Can you tell how to create marketing strategy considering that you need to retain customers longer? So any insights, tips about that? Yes, yes. So I always think to build like a marketing strategy, it always starts with like first, obviously, like what is the business goals and objectives, right? Um, that should always be first, like marketing, you should never build a marketing strategy that doesn't align to like the company overall objectives. Um, and then I think, and then I think from there, it, it really comes down to like, what are your, from that business mandate, like what is the marketing objectives and like really establishing what those are. And then once you have that in place and like what your, your core outcome is, then establishing what that strategy is off of that. Right. So if we, if the, if the, if the goal or objective is we want to retain customers longer, then the way to think about it is like, as you build marketing strategies, like, okay, so what channels today acquire very quality, healthy customers, right? How do we double down and focus in on there? Um, that could be bet one. Bet two could be about like, okay, what are the life cycle campaigns to help retain longer, right? And I think that's the way I think about strategy is like, it's really around like, what's your overall objective? And then look at the data you have today that informs if it's about like, it's about like retention, like what are your levers of retention? And then from there building like the tactics that you actually want to do across like uh, growth marketing, performance marketing, SEO, uh, life cycle, product marketing, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, you remind me Bill Gates once uh, he uh, said in interview, for example, if uh, he has product A and product B, invested X amount of money to product A and X amount to product B, but if product B sells two times one, the second time he invested uh, 2x money to product B, ignoring product A because of uh, getting more. So, uh, and I see when companies are trying um, to sell all products uh, without uh, priorities, and you mentioned that to find these products. Can you tell uh, more about that? How to prioritize? things, uh, how to find them, uh, it, we need to pay attention to only best selling products or any tips about that? Yeah, if it's if it's about like, if you think about like prioritization and like, hey, where do you place like your bets, right? Like, I think it's about 
like the most important thing when you when you think about that is like what's your like prioritization framework right so if it's about like you have a whole bunch of ideas you want to do and you want to try to prioritize that i always look at like prioritizing off of like like basically impact um you know, like how much confidence you have and like effort like ice frameworks are pretty famous out there right um i think you could look at that and just like evaluate and basically have a ranking system so like if something is like massive impact you have high confidence and it's low effort like that's a no-brainer to do it's a lot harder if you like i think it's medium impact i don't have any i don't have i have low confidence because i have no data to tell me if it's right and it's like high effort then that that is right away is like okay that should be like lower down like the totem pole um and i think to you're asking yourself how do i identify impact because effort would be an easier one to figure out how do i identify uh impact and confidence i always say it's about like looking at any data point you can get if that's your internal data that you've had on like what you've seen the successful or external through like market analysis and competitive analysis that could help build stronger confidence and then impact if you don't have necessarily any data on that today if you, then it's about like how could you be scrappy with testing to be able to get some type of like convert like some type of conversion rate that you could help inform what that impact is and i think it's all it's all a little bit of an art and science when it comes to prioritization sometimes you're going to be really strong and it's going to work out well and sometimes it isn't and i think it's just about constantly like iteration mm -hmm. nice nice okay let's talk about uh how to craft the right message for example you know uh once i watch a, a presentation of new apple watch tim cook shared his stories he didn't share a lot of features that probably other watches have uh he shared three stories how apple watch can decide uh my problems now uh and after that i bought three pairs for me for my wife for my son because no i can't buy only for me because uh they probably kill me but you know uh, i bought three pairs today um atlantic ocean owns my apple watch but it happens uh, it doesn't matter but you know um I found uh, how Tim Cook is great with sharing stories, you know, to tell about uh, uh, how Apple Watch can decide my problems, simplify my life, uh, make it better. And after that, I got the feeling, I got the feeling of owning this Apple Watch. Can you tell how to provoke this feeling? Because I see when big brands like BMW, you know, uh, I, I don't see a lot of features. I see uh, happy people who drive this car, you know, who is happy to have it. But, uh, but I don't see any other features on their marketing. Any insights about that? How to craft the right message uh, to create the feeling of owning this product? Yeah, I always actually think it starts with like, like, how do you want to position your product in the market before even like get into the message, right? So you do that through understanding your competitive landscape um, and understanding like who your who who your uh, target customer is and like what problem are you solving for, right? So start with like the problem, start with who that customer is and understand the market around you. So you know that you're like how you how you can differentiate yourself and like define a value prop. And I think like once you've done that, then you can get into the actual messaging. And the the problem a lot of tech companies run into is their messaging becomes about feature dumping. But like yeah. it, it actually doesn't mean anything to me. So instead, the way to think about messaging and building off copy off of your positioning is off of benefits. So like what is the emotional benefit? Um, it could be about saving you time, right? It could be about like it could be tax season and I'm building you confidence. Right, because I, I lack confidence and I have all this fear. It could be something that's like it reduces my anxiety, 
but connecting, making sure you know what your core value prop prop is, those core features that you can turn into benefits that is about showing the impact that's connecting to them emotionally, I think is the way to think about it. So always think about it, set positioning, define value prop, build your messaging off of your top features, off of benefits that helps them make it like that helps them do something in their lives. And I think that's the way to think about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, let me describe three customers. You know, uh, once my son asked me to buy a soccer ball. You know, uh, I opened Amazon and told him, I'm sorry for this noise. Uh, yeah, someone decided to come to press. But anyway, let's do it. <laughs> and um, he asked me, please buy me a new soccer ball. I opened Amazon and uh, what uh, I saw that he only check out pictures. Uh, photos, nothing else. Uh, I usually check out prices, uh, delivery. Uh, my wife can uh, analyze uh, reviews, uh, uh, to read some other stuff. So they're different. No, different customers, different pain points, different uh, things. But I see when uh, websites are trying to submit all possible information. Uh, sometimes uh, they don't need it, you know, because it it makes our lives harder for example uh, if i don't need something why i need to check out this information uh, simplicity is key you know when you open it's simple to understand tell about how to learn customers to understand they want to see pictures reviews or uh, prices uh, as i usually check out so any insights about that yeah, yeah. So um, I, I would always say it starts with like, if you're laying on a website for the first time, you don't you you have little brand awareness already. First, it's like the first thing you want to show them is like a hook, something that like, right yeah. away in your hero, you want to lead with some type of light lifestyle industry um, that actually always works better than product shots. Um, historically, will convert better, because it starts to build emotional connection, and make sure that you have a really compelling like one line headline. Uh, that could be, hey, we're free, or we're whatever we're, whatever problem we're solving for. And then I think the most important thing to get into, because it's a new thing you've not seen before, is social proof. So that social proof is like customer testimonials. Um, could be you got into some publications with some really big places like the New York Times or Forbes or something, and really starting to say, okay, that's really interesting. This this is legit. And then the second, and then the second piece of that is like, what, what are you, right? So you have to make sure, like the, what are the core? Like I can figure that if I'm, a, if I'm a bank account, or if I'm a, if I'm an, um, a Netflix product, or I sell basketballs, I know what you are. And then how are you different? I think those, and then you should have a section below that is about like explaining like this is how we are different and why we are better than um this basketball over here because we can bounce three times higher right and i think those are the most important elements and make it as simple as possible you do not want to put a ton of copy in there and you just want to have like a one headline and one little sentence and the idea is to like bring them in to want to to go to some of your other landing pages to learn more to get in order to get them to convert mm -hmm. uh, you know uh when i open apple.com i can see very simple landing page. Only uh, nice picture of iPhone, uh, a few words, uh, even, yeah, like uh, make difference something like this. Very simple. Uh, but if I open Amazon, I can see a lot of items, uh, many products, uh, because Amazon 
uh, owns data. Uh, I think Amazon understands uh, what kind of products I needed because of personalization, many other stuff. Apple uh, uh, is trying to simplify my life. How to find the balance? between Amazon methods and Apple. For example, we, uh, on Apple, I see simplicity. On Amazon, I see a lot of choices, but personalized choices. Any insights how to find the balance between uh, submitting a lot of items and just the best seller? Yeah, yeah, I uh, I totally agree with that, right? If you think about Amazon, you've kind of already made your decision of like, I'm just searching for something. Like, I have massive brand awareness. I know Amazon's legit. So I just need to go on there and make my decision. Where you think about Apple, Apple is like trying to sell you like like they're they're all their suite of products, and it's almost like a life cycle, like a lifestyle that you go with them, right? And there's a lot more decision making as part of that because you're buying very expensive products that cost a lot of money, right? Um, so it makes sense why they're kind of they're kind of branding it that way, where it's building more of an emotional connection and selling you like this emotional narrative that you can be part of like the the Apple cult in a way where mm -hmm. Amazon's as simple as like, hey, I'm looking for toothpaste, so I just need to go on their website and buy toothpaste because it's cheaper than me going to the store. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, how to double sales. For example, um, you know, I see when companies are trying to uh, share more budget for marketing, but sometimes it's better to sell, uh, to double sales to loyal customers to provide additional features, additional items. Any tips about that? How to uh, tell your customers that you have something more, uh, you can help them more. So any insights about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think like the biggest thing is like if you, if they're already like current, like current customers that have already signed up and now it's about like, I look at that as like, how do you start cross-selling? How do you get them to adopt like other features, other products, right? So like the important thing there is like, um, you have to be very clear on like what, what they want. So a lot of times, if you think about like lifecycle campaigns, you can either, okay, so who are the, if you have an, uh, another product that you want to sell them, who, who would be the best fit for those? So what, how do you, how do you think about targeting building off of lifecycle campaigns, either through like in-app messaging, push notifications, email, um, and then think about what's the right message and value prop. Like, so when they receive that email, what's on there and then at what moment does it make sense? Right. When they first come and join your product probably doesn't make as much sense uh maybe 30 90 days into their product when you started using it great opportunity to start cross-selling and that's the way i generally like how i think about like how you start to introduce new features and new products and then as you bring up more and more features uh you can be able to make those announcements across your customer customer base um consistently mm -hmm. yeah nice nice okay uh, can you list common mistakes that companies still do and any insights how to find a much better way yeah so common mistakes uh companies make is they just try to do a very blanketed approach so they try to sell all their features and products to everyone and uh you have different types of customers within your within your current base so it's really important to segment right and be very targeted um, and by doing that, you're going to see a really strong conversion rate. Um, naturally, like if you go out to everyone um, and try to like mass appeal, like you're not going to see like the best results. So to me, the most common, the, the common, mis the, the common mistake is just not targeting and be very, and also thinking about when is the right trigger moments. Like maybe when someone actions something like, like Amazon's really great at this. They see you buy something specifically. You might see all of a sudden you get an Amazon email that says, Hey, have you considered these types of things? Right. They're targeting you and they're doing it the right moment and recommending things that like make sense. And I think that is like the misconception that most companies make. 
No, on your LinkedIn profile, I see uh, your skills. Now, business and marketing strategy. Can you tell how to unite business strategy and marketing strategy? Because, you know, many companies uh, struggle to scale the business. Uh, they think that marketing can help or anything can help. Just uh, tell more about insights, how to unite marketing and business strategy. Yes, yes, yes. I look at like marketing strategy is just like it's it's helping you grow, like find distribution for your business strategy in a lot of ways. I actually think it's like it's it's helping you develop actually uh, what's your compelling value prop and hook and then what's your distribution or channel strategy to bring people in. Right. And I always think it starts with like on the business side, like things like what are your like, OK, what's the company's mission? What's our objectives? What are our big bets across the company? And then you take those, like whatever those pieces are, and you align your marketing strategy towards that. So if the main goal of the company is uh, LTV to CAC, and it's all about like really strong, like union economics, then you align your marketing strategy to that, right? If it's all about like growing really, really, really fast, then that changes things, right? And then it needs to be, you have to think a lot more about like mass distribution. Or if it's more about like, we want to monetize our current customer base, then like thinking about like life cycle campaigns are like far more important. I think that's the way to think about it. You should never build your marketing strategy before the business has defined what those pieces are because it's never going to work. And I think that's like the critical thing. Marketing strategy feeds into that. And it's really about compel a compelling value prop to hook people in. And what is your distribution channel strategy? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about uh, sales funnel. Uh, for example, once I got a client who told me uh, he lost uh, 400,000 traffic a month but because Google dropped uh, his website, but he didn't lose sales. <laughs> so he had this traffic, but that was useless. Uh, uh, and I see when companies create their own strategy. Uh, for example, if I, I don't know, like uh, take the keyword SEO, uh, it's hard to compete with many big websites like SEMrush, Ahrefs, many others in the top 10 results, most. But uh, even if I rank this keyword, I'm not sure that I can sell anything because it's not related to SEO services. Can you tell about sales funnel? How to find the right strategy? Because I see when uh, companies uh, have their own strategy or generic strategy, but it's not related to sales funnel and it's hard to uh, get results even if you achieve them. Uh, any insights about that? How to create the strategy uh, considering sales funnel? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I actually think the first thing to do is like, you have to actually like establish like your funnel first um, and like really define like, like what, what the fun, like what the funnel looks like. I think that's like the most, most, uh, most critical thing. And then you need to ask yourself, like, this comes down to like your customers, like, where do you think your customers are right now? Like what channels do you think they're in? Um, use an example where all of a sudden, you know, Google changed something and, but all of a sudden their sales didn't drop. Well, that tells me that it's like, okay, then maybe you, you like, where are your customers coming from? Maybe you have massive word of mouth. Maybe you have massive referrals. Like, and then why that's important is like, that's where you want to ultimately like double down in, right? Like the, there's a great, uh, the power of like the, the book, like power of one, which is like a really famous, like, like tech book. They talk about the power, like law of distribution, which is that like 80% of your traffic is going to come through like one channel. Um, and that's, what's going to be like your core distribution channel. So which one is that and pick a, pick that and like double down there and then making sure as they come in through the funnel, you have like a really strong funnel, um, that's capturing the, the right things you need to, to keep getting customers further down from, from the top of the funnel, to the bottom of the funnel.
Okay, let's uh, talk about monetization. For example, how to submit the right call to action? Because I see uh, many companies can write a lot of blog posts, create other marketing channels, forgetting about call to action because uh, you need to give incentives to customers to open your products, to buy it, uh, discounts, promo codes, uh, or even just the right call to action that uh, this product can help decide problems. Because uh, now uh, I think customers change their hard-earned money with products if they feel that uh, this money costs less than uh, buying products. Any insights about call to action? Yes, yes, yes. So I think uh, with just around like call to actions, a lot of people tend to try to like, hey, it's free or discount, right? I'm I'm a big component that you, if you have the ability to A-B test those things, um, even though you think it works, it might not work as well as you think based on the cost you're spending. So I always, I always say that is like the important thing is like always A-B testing any sort of like promotion or discounts or, hey, we're offering a limited time free version, I think is a really important. I think call to actions in general, like free is the number one thing that will work better than anything. Um, so if you have um, software that is a freemium product and it's free to come in and then you monetize a different way, like that will always be like the, str like the strongest piece. It has to be simple and it has to be very actionable, right? So the difference of like apply now versus learn more, apply now will always work better. Um, so what are like in a very simple, like two to three word way, like you have to have a very strong, like compelling, like call to action. And, you know, on a website, the color scheme does matter. And uh, you need to also consider that as you're trying to kind of drive people in to be able to drive basically improve your conversion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Greg, uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today about uh, learning about uh, customer retention? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think I think if you wanted to learn about like customer retention, like you, um, so read as much as you can is like the first thing. And I start with that. Like there's a lot of great courses out there. There's a lot of great uh, books out there. There's a lot of great blog, uh, blog posts on there. And I think you need to understand that like retention is basically like the like the output. You have all these inputs into it. And like, what does retention mean? Um, and spend time to understand like how retention, what is like, what does retention mean in different businesses? How do you measure retention? What are the core levers you have to be able to optimize retention? And I think that is the, the most important uh, piece to figure out. Um, and a lot of times the best way to do that, depending um, is also like talking to different like customer success teams are very focused on retention. So like talking as much with people within your network would be specifically like around that or either talk to some like really strong, like uh, core, like product managers, because either it's going to be coming from like your customer success team or it's going to be coming from basically like your product teams and they like know the much uh, know the most. And I think be, be a sponge and soak up that knowledge as much as you can. Um, and start with a high level. What is retention? What does it mean? How do you impact it? How do you measure it? And once you can do that, then you know how to action it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about action. <laughs> for example, um, I have short memory. I can forget about new things for a few hours. Uh, uh, and I often see when uh, students, uh, business owners overlook, you know, they get knowledge, but do nothing. Uh, with this knowledge in in some time it will be obsolete or they can forget about this uh, and for me uh, nobody knows what actually will work you need to test them to adapt to analyze can you tell tips 
how to uh, act after uh, getting knowledge. For example, you mentioned about courses, about uh, blog posts, uh, many other stuff. So how to practice uh, or how to find the balance between uh, learning and acting? Yeah, so if it's about like actioning, like the best the best thing you can be doing, like my recommendation, if you're starting your own company or bootstrapping or you're working at a company right now, uh, to me, right away, like start looking at like your retention rates, right? Um, start to, if you haven't been able to do that, like start to build like data around that and start looking at like, okay, what does retention mean in the company? Um, what does our retention rate look like right now? Is it going down or going up? What influences retention? Um, and then start to think about and brainstorm ideas and how to improve retention overall. Like, like what are those different like ways you can do that? Is it like, hey, like if you have a retention problem as an example, figure out why that is. So like go talk to like your your customer success or cu customer support team of why people are churning and like go talk to customers and go learn why they're churning off the products. Sometimes there's a survey you may have in there. We already have the insights. Sometimes you may want to talk to them. But like the best way you're going to learn is by ingraining yourself into like customer insights to learn like, oh, price is an issue. Actually, we're missing these features. Um, I didn't see the value, right? And then once you have those insights and you understand like the data internally and you understand your customer, then you can actually start building campaigns, right? Around that to start actioning, like how do I fix it? Maybe we need to lower our prices because we're not priced competitively in the market. Maybe we need to... Uh, do an email campaign because people aren't seeing the value of everything we're offering. But I think it really starts with like, if you have the ability to start actioning. It's like, look at the, look at your internal data, go talk to customers, then go start actioning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I have the question, for example, what to do first? For, uh, you mentioned that uh, if someone want to start their uh, company or something like this, but you know, uh, uh, I see two ways. Uh, it's like, you know, chicken or uh, egg, you know, nobody knows. But uh, here, uh, what to do first, to build community uh, or uh, to create a great product? Your insights about that. Yeah, I'm always a big believer on building a great product first. Because if you build a great product, people will come, right? Um, so if you build a community, it's great, but then you don't have anywhere to put them, right? And to be honest, I... I think it's easy to build. It's easier to build a community and building that up. It's harder to maintain the community, but it's a lot harder to build like a really great product that people love. And I always say mm -hmm. it has to start with that first, and you have to be focused on finding like product market fit. And if you don't do that, it doesn't. Everything else doesn't matter. Um, and that's just kind of my kind of my point of view on that. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Okay, uh, Greg, can you predict the future? What kind of future will be in? Uh, marketing uh, because many things are coming metaverse uh reality we don't know we will see uh, so uh, any insights about the future your tips how to adapt to the possible future <laughs> yeah i th i think we're moving to a world that's <laughs> that's going to be more about like uh, sustainable economics so it's not just about like turning some paid advertising on and, and bringing as many customers in it's going to be like how do you acquire the right customer um, how do we focus on like more organic channels that will, will bring like quality customers at like a low, lower cost, right? So to me, like that's what it should be about. And um, you need to also be focusing on like just like other things like SEO, like lifecycle become content marketing will become as it already is. It's begin, becoming more important. And then I think when you think about like the future, like 
I actually think what happens sometimes is people think that like, oh, this one thing is going to change the world. Like, oh, AI is going to completely change what marketing is. And yes, it's going to, it, there is going to be a change there, but it's going to take years for that to change. And you're going to see like, it's going to be more of an additive of how do you improve things. So like, if it's from like an AI machine learning perspective, um, you know, obviously there's like chat uh, G GPT out there right now that everyone's talking about. I think that's like a great example of like how you can create like faster copy to use, right? It's not, there's going to be like more additive ways that from like a, like a marketing perspective. And then I think it's really going to come down to like how you build like a really strong community and like, how do you, how do you, and I think the biggest thing is just, it's all about sustainable LT economics, LTV to CAC is what's really going to matter at the end of the day. And I think businesses and marketing teams need to be focused on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by the way, I love this chat GPT, you know, uh, good tool, you know, uh, doesn't mean that you can get uh, the final product. Yes. Yeah, you, you need to spend time editing, but it saves so much time, you know, and uh, with this tool, you can ignore many other existing tools uh, because just, uh, I don't know, to write uh, some direct message, you know, comments, you can get everything. So, yeah. Uh, Greg, by the way, do you use AI tools and uh, what kind of tools can you uh, recommend to listeners? Oh, to, tools and just uh, just like different like marketing tactics or or tools yeah. like, okay. For marketing, yeah. Yeah, for, for marketing. Um, yeah, I think uh, for marketing, there's like lots of tools out there that you can like adopt. Um, one, if you want to use like Lifecycle, you need a CRM tool. So again, it depends on like the budgets you have. Like there's much different CRM tools if you're bootstrapping versus if you if you're like, you know, mm -hmm. you have like a you know, like a series A, series B company. Um that's like a, a like a really big one there. You obviously want from like a data analytics perspective. So like cool, like like Google Analytics is gonna be like critical for that. Um you also need like in product analytics potentially, um, tools out there, out there like amplitude, um, you can do mixed panel. Um, I think like those are like really, really important like pieces. And I'd say like, yeah, those for, for me are like the probably the most like core fundamental like tools um, that at least like I look at. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, Greg, I have the final question. Uh, can you share your unique selling proposition? Yeah, it's important today to, you know, uh, because uh, we have interesting quote. If you sell to anyone, you sell to no one. So. Any insights about your unique selling proposition? Why your services are better than uh, from other uh, specialist experts today? Yeah, I I think I think the biggest thing for me, like from my my end, is about like how do you how do you drive strong adoption of whatever product and how do you do that sustainably? And a lot of things that I focus on are not necessarily like the growth hacks that are out there. So for me, it's about how do you go to market? Who's your right customer? How do you position that in the market? What are your marketing channels you use at? What do you need to price at? All of these other things that not necessarily everyone like thinks about, and they're not necessarily like that flashy thing that you might see in a blog post, but it's about like, how do you, you basically, how do you solve for problems? How do you really, how do you really find product market fit? How do you have the right, uh, you know, distribution channels to really help scale a more sustainable business? And that for me is something that like I'm passionate about and I focus on, and that's probably like different than what others kind of offer in the market nice nice love it love it uh greg it's a big pleasure to get on the show to learn from you tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you yes absolutely absolutely so yeah uh, my biggest thing is i recommend anyone can connect me across uh, linkedin uh greg mm -hmm. leach 
Um, it's where I kind of will share blog posts. Um, uh, at one point I did run a podcast, not anymore. Um, what about posts like kind of, um, like on there. Um, and then, yeah, it's just also a way for me to like, I make, I make basically weekly posts that kind of talk about these things and yeah, anyone can find me on there. I am on Twitter. Uh, I don't use it as much. I use it more for following, but like LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Nice, nice guys. You can find the links to uh, LinkedIn, Twitter uh, in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. You know, I love all your insights. So valuable, guys. You need to follow Greg on LinkedIn because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.